Hi everyone, welcome to day six, right? Day six of marriage week. We're gonna try our best to fit the both of us in here, but since he's gonna be doing a lot of the question answering, we're probably just gonna like focus on him for the night. But welcome to day six of marriage week. I hope you guys have I hope you guys have learned a lot um, from the different conversations that we've had. So tonight we're gonna to be talking about marriage and finances and you guys sent some really good questions so i'm going to be doing some back and forth question asking and then we'll do our very best to also answer so if you have any questions that you want to ask just make sure that just put them in the question box and then we'll go but before we start i think an introduction is necessary yeah see he made that face An introduction is necessary. I know you, some of you, we have a lot of new followers on here. So just a quick introduction as to who we are um, and just a little bit about Beyond the Isle and what we do. So my name is Joyce Lynn. And I'm Harry. And Harry. So we are the founders of Beyond the Isle. Um, God gave us Beyond the Isle back in 2016. And by the grace of God, we've kind of, you know, been working through different things. This is our third year of doing um, Marriage Week. And this year actually makes seven years of marriage. Um, and we have two young kids, so we, we're quite busy and we do a lot of different um, fun things. So Harry has a background in finance and I, I think not because he's my husband, but he's really, really good at that stuff. You are like, he's really smart at that stuff. Like there are times I'll be like eavesdropping on conversations where he's helping people like their money situation and he does a really good job at breaking them down. So our goal tonight is to break it down as best as possible for you. Do you have anything to say with no, let's, let's go straight into the questions okay. and then, yeah, try to get All right, so the first question that um, we have is, why do you think finances often become a huge point of contention in marriage? Why? How is that funny? <laughs> so again, um, the question is, why do you think finances often become a huge point of contention in marriage? Okay, um, so first of all, it's money, right? Um, and anything money is involved, um, there can be confusion or conflict um, real quick. It can be brothers, it can be um, married partners, it can be, you know, um, even friends. Um, money can cause trouble. So if you don't plan and put things into play, it can be a huge deal breaker um, when it comes to marriage. Um, the second thing is personality. Mm. Um, we all have different personalities, right? So um, one might be a spender, one might be a saver. Um, and that can cause conflict because when I get $10,000, I want to spend 8000 um, when when she gets ten thousand dollars, maybe she wants to save nine thousand dollars, and save, that, save that, that personality conflict um, transfers from personality into finances, yeah. and that causes a lot of conflict in marriage. Um, so the best way is you know make sure that you know each other, um, their personality when it comes to finances. Um, that's the way to solve it. Because if I know my wife is a saver and she's talking about saving, um, I'm not going to get offended because I know that's her personality. If I'm a spender and I'm spending. She shouldn't get offended because she knows, you know, that is my personality. So personality plays a very big role in, in this part of finance. I'm so glad that you have acknowledged to the masses. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm the saver. You are not the saver. <laughs> He's not the saver. Don't let him fool you. I'm the saver. I save money. He can give me money today and ask for it in a month and I'll still have it. Ask, give him money today and ask him. He probably invested in some business, bought some stocks, did something with it. So, yeah. All her savings are in her closet. That's not true. Okay, next question. Um, so you talked a little bit about making sure that you know each other um, and you know each other's kind of like spending or saving habits before you get into marriage. So one of the questions here is, is there anything that could be done 
to prepare for potential financial shifts in marriage over time. So let's say, let's talk about maybe as you're courting, right? So in that courting phase, is there anything you can do to prepare for, you know, the shifts that happen in finances? And then when you get married, what can you do with those shifts as well? Okay. So um, we are human beings and um, since we are human beings, um, we have changing situations all the time. Um, as you said, sometimes you'll be single from single, you get into a relationship and then you marry all our different um, situations. Um, when you're preparing to get married, it's very, very important that you guys talk about your money situation mm. and talk about the debt you have, um, the potential income you guys are looking for. Um, the sad thing is that we always plan for success. We always plan for more money coming in. We mm -hmm. don't plan for downside. Mm -hmm. um, so planning and budgeting is a good way um, that we can use to solve this kind of issues. Mm -hmm. um, you can say that, hey, you know, one, we have two incomes. Um, right now, you know, let's save this amount. We don't know if um, when my wife get pregnant or She's maybe starting. one person might lose their job because of that and we'll be relying on one income. So at that time that we'll be relying on one income, um, we can um, we can fall back on the savings that we made when things were good. Mm -hmm. So it all goes down to budget and planning. Once you plan very well in any situation or any circumstance, you can always fall back and then you can, um, you can use that, that money. So when you talk about like budgeting and planning right it's a great it's a great um suggestion but how like break it down a little bit more for me right so let's say again me and you when we were first dating right what kind of conversations should we be having about money and finances when we're like okay i'm ready to get married i know you're the person i want to marry what's the next step so in that phase like what are some what are some like conversations we should be having about money questions yeah. we should be asking each other so no no everybody's situation at the point in time right um somebody living with their parents is different from somebody who is renting mm -hmm. so if you're living with your parent and you know i'm dating you we are talking um by the time you're ready to move out and we start getting married uh, we will be getting our own place and renting mm -hmm. uh, we have to pay for renters insurance we have to pay for our own utilities we have to pay for different bills mm -hmm. um so those are the things that you talk about and uh, when we move out which places are we looking at to rent and uh, why are we renting in this place and uh, what is the what is the insurance in this place mm -hmm. how far is it away from both of us our jobs mm -hmm. how much are we going to spend on gas so those are the kind of conversations that you have as you're approaching marriage mm -hmm. um, and that is how you budget so if i'm working in tyson's corner and i want to leave um in stafford how mm -hmm. long is it going to take for me to get to Forever. work is it better that we stay in springfield or is it better we stay in alexandria so those are some of the things that you guys talk about and plan and that will help your finances because now you're planning on um the rent your gas, your insurance, um, everything around that. So yeah, that helps. So I should. So it said you're advising that we shouldn't wait till we're married to have these conversations about next steps with finances, in a sense. Yes, when um, during marriage is is somehow too late. Mm -hmm. Um, not too late that you can't solve it. You can solve it, but it's important you know those things before. Um, during when you're planning your wedding and stuff, mm -hmm. have those conversations also because. Right after marriage, you guys are moving out, you guys are moving to your own place, right? So if you just focus on the wedding and not what we are going to do after the wedding, mm. um, you finish with a wedding and you don't have anywhere to stay. You don't have any money to buy a couch and, you know, you sleep on blow, blow up mattress and all that. That you was have a to fun be... phase in our life. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> so you have to be very, um, you have to be very strategic when it comes to that, you know, plan for after the wedding financially. What am I going to do after the wedding? Where do I see myself and what am I going to do?
that makes a lot of sense so the next question I want to ask kind of ties into that preparation piece. And I think it's probably a question that you'd be asking in the courting phase. Um, and the question is, how do you determine who will be the spouse that manages the money? Who is responsible for the finances? Or can both people kind of be responsible for the finances? Or is it better to have one kind of manage it and the other kind of just kind of know what's going on? I think it's better that both manage it um, mm -hmm. because it, it goes back to accountability, right? Um, you guys want to be accountable to each other. Um, so the best way, some people don't agree, um, I think the best way is to have a joint account, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's normally called a joint spending account. Mm. Um, people do it in two ways. Some people allow all their paychecks to go into the joint spending account, um, and then they take some and save it in a different account, in their savings account. And then every expense from the household comes out of the joint spending account. Mm. So we have one account, every money is going in. Some people also calculate their total expenditure. They know that every month we spend $4,000, right? Yeah. So they create a joint spending account. Um, at the end of the month, this person transfers maybe 70, 30%, they transfer into it, mm -hmm. and then they use that for um, the various bills. Um, as in the bills, anybody can pay the bills, but the other one will be checking if the bills have been paid. Mm -hmm. And if your spouse is checking whether bills have been paid, it doesn't mean that you are irresponsible. Mm. It's just that accountability piece. Because if you don't pay the bill, both of you are hooked onto it. Mm -hmm. You understand? So, as I said, there is no chef or there is no financial guru in the marriage. Um, that is where uh, financial infidelity comes in. When someone thinks I have more control over mm -hmm. the other person. Mm -hmm. um, it, should, it, should more, it should more also be of um, both of us being accountable mm -hmm. to um, our finances. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense in regards to that. So, but... I'm going to dig a little bit deeper with that question, right? So let's say one person is not good with money, right? Let's say the spouse, it, it's both people. We have one spouse who's like paying the bills, but the spouse who's paying the bills is not paying the bills on time. And it's always a constant reminder or the spouse who, you know, is responsible for making sure that, you know, the money is at a certain level is not doing that. Like this is spending. So do you think that every time we, a conversation needs to be had, like, okay, this is problematic, maybe we should switch roles, or what, what advice would you give in that situation? Um, I would say it's a gradual process, right? Mm -hmm. um, people grow up in different environments. People have been doing things um, a particular way before they got married. Mm -hmm. And um, they are not going to switch um, just overnight, mm -hmm. right? Um, some people can take three months for them to switch. Some people can take six months. Some people can take three years. Mm -hmm. uh, but always take that accountability piece. Just make sure that, you know, hey, you've not paid the bill. Hey, you know, this bill is overdue. Hey, mm. let's pay this. Just make sure that you're constantly keeping the person accountable. Mm. And that's the way that um, it could work. Because if you if you go in that, hey, you're not paying the bill, I'm taking it and I'm paying all the bills, um, that can also create conflict. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, so, and as I said, money is a very important thing that can cause confusion easy. Mm -hmm. It can cause people to break trust. So um, everything when it comes to money is very delicate. So take your time. Um, and let this accountability piece work um, between you and your spouse. That's a, that's a lot of good information. So I think that will tie into the next question, which says, so how regularly do you think couples should sit down to discuss their finances? So let's say now we're married, right? Mm -hmm. We are living in the same households. Um, how often should we be talking about money as a couple? Yeah, so I personally, I think um, in the beginning of every year, um, you you have to sit down with your you have to sit down with your um with your spouse um and draw a budget right budget is not a way to just show you how to spend 
um, is a way to help you to plan. Budgeting is a planning tool. So in the beginning of every year, sit down with your spouse, um, you know, plan how are we going to spend our money, and what are we going to save, what investments are we going to do. If you have kids, what do we have to do for the kids? So um, most of the time, like January 1st, uh, we sit down and do our budget. Okay. So you sit down and do the budget for, um, for the whole year. But also every quarter, like at the end of every three months, you have to check in and say, hey, um, in the beginning of the year, we said we are saving um, $9,000, right? Yeah. Um, this is the first quarter. Have we saved $2,000? If not, let's reevaluate. Are we doing the right things? Um, maybe we thought we were paying gas bill for $100. Now yeah. we are paying $300. What is wrong? What is going on? So even though you plan for the whole year, um, every quarter you sit down and reevaluate um, what is going on and go back to the drawing board. Uh, because if you wait a whole year before you plan again, um, things can fly underneath that you never see. So, um, yeah, just make sure that you plan in the beginning of the year and every quarter, just check in. Um, some people are very detail-oriented. They, mm. they can decide to do it monthly, right? I know some families who um, do budgeting every month, every month mm. right? So, but I don't want to put pressure on too many people. So, you can... I prefer yearly and quarterly rather than monthly. But if you're very detail-oriented and you want to, you know, be on top of stuff, uh, monthly will be the best for you. Yeah, so kind of looking back. I think for us, like you said, what one thing we do is at the beginning of every year, like the 31st, we'll like kind of just, we call the family planning meeting where we'll sit and we'll kind of go over everything. We'll set um, like money goals, like yeah. how much we want to save, how much we want to give, what we want to buy, things of that nature. And then we try to come back to it and, and check in as often as we possibly can as well. But I think it really, it allows you to see the health of your financial mm -hmm. um goals and just as a family what you're working towards and what you're saving as well but go ahead yeah and especially um it it, it pushes you away from impulse buying right <laughs> you don't you don't just wake up one day and say oh now i think i i have to buy a house yeah, um if you if you have if you want to buy a house it's part of your yearly goals right yeah. you input it into it so somebody don't just call you and tell you hey rates are going down so buy a house and you you say i'm going to buy a house it's unplanned um, you don't just wake up unless maybe you have a drastic accident or something and you need to buy a car. You don't just wake up and say, I want to buy a car. Mm. You know, in the beginning of the year, you say, hey, you know, this car is too old. We need to replace it. Um, this and this, how much, this how much you have to save to, you know, to replace the car. So it's, it encompasses every part of your finances. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes when I talk to couples about these things, they think it's only about savings and investment. No, it's your whole financial health. The whole financial health of the family so um, make sure that you're bringing everything on board um, everything that you can think of and you know talking about it during this meeting or during this planning so in terms of budgeting right you've talked about budgeting you talked about why it's important to budget and you know some things that we should think of in regards to budgeting what are the i guess the main uh what's the word i'm looking for what are the main things that people should budget for? Like, what should you make sure that when you're budgeting, it's on your budget sheet to, to ensure that you don't forget? Like, what are the main ones? Is there such a thing? So, it's, it's situational, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I'll talk about three key things. Um, first one is um, fixed expenses, right? Mm. Uh, some expenses are fixed. Um, no matter what you do, you're going to pay them. Um, for instance, your rent or your mortgage. 
um, your car notes. Those are fixed expenses. So when you're budgeting, there is no way you can go around it. Um, if you're a Christian, you go to church, um, you're tight. It's a fixed expense. Um, so those things are things that you always have to budget for. And certain things are variable expense, right? Um, like when it comes to gas, it depends on how, how many times you drive. Mm. So Corona time that nobody's going to work, most people are saving on gas, mm. right? So you plan based on fixed asset, um, sorry, fixed expenditure and also um, variable expenditure. Um, but the biggest one is um, capital expenditure, right? That is acquiring asset together, as I said. Um, it can be as small as, you know, getting a laptop or um, getting, you know, maybe, um, what's the name? Tablets for your kids or buying, you know, um, a car or buying a home. Um, those are the things that should be very prevalent in your budget. Mm. Um, expenses changes from time to time, right? Um, for instance, um, our family, for instance, um, my wife's birthday is uh, February. My, <laughs> my daughter's... Um, <laughs> my daughter's birthday is March, right? So I know February, um, you know, I have Val's Day, I have my wife's birthday, I have, I have um, my daughter's birthday coming in March. So it's very important that I budget or I put money down for these two months and make sure that I have sufficient money. And from March until like June, the family don't really have any birthday like that, right? So that time can be normal expenses. So those are some of the thought process that goes into your mind. Mm. Um, the last key thing, key thing I'll talk about, and when we talk about budget, people don't think about it. People think about expenses. Um, it's your income mm. because it's your income that will cover your expenses. Mm -hmm. um, so if you don't think about your income and cover your income very well, um, you realize that you always be under underwater, right? Mm -hmm. Which means that you are being paid $4,000, but you are spending $5,000. Mm. And that is what puts people into debt. So make sure that the income you have can cover the expenses you have. Mm -hmm. If your income doesn't cover your expenses, then you have to reevaluate your expenses. Mm. Um, the main parts that you look at to reevaluate is um, the variable expenses, mm -hmm. right? So probably I'm driving too much. Apart from work, I drive to see friends. I drive to church. I have to cut some of those things to bring my gas bill down. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so those are the main touch points that you have to look at when you're doing budgeting. Um, that is your income, the expenses, the expenses, as I said, three main things, um, your capital expense, your fixed expenditure, and then your variable expenditure. That's good. So, you said we should make sure that, you know, our income <laughs> matches our... Expenses. expenses so let's not matches your oh. income is more than your expense okay yeah. so let's just say mm, mm -hmm. i'm in a situation where my income does not meet the expenses that i have to pay mm -hmm. and there's no wiggle room like mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a tight budget and i mm -hmm. want to like start saving or paying down a credit card bill like what are some things i can do when i find myself <laughs> and i'm like oh i ain't got enough money for this month's bill like what what, what do i do so um what I'll say to that is that you are living a lie, right? Um, you are you are living way above your means. Mm. Um, there are certain things when you talk to a financial advisor. There are certain rule of thumb, right? Um, your your rent should be about thirty percent of your income. Mm -hmm. So if if I make thousand dollars a month, my rent should be three hundred dollars. Mm. If I make thousand dollars a month, we live in DMV, baby. <laughs> yeah, so that's why you don't make thousand dollars in DMV. That's true. But, if you're making $1,000, your rent should be what, $300. Okay. If you're making $1,000 and your rent is $1,200, it means you're living above your means. You know, you're making minimum wage and you're living in a luxurious apartment, which means you have to cut down. Mm. Yeah, so that's why you have to cut your coat according mm. to your size. That's, that's basically that's... And people, especially people, don't want to accept that. It's right? hard. Yeah, but that's what it has to be. Uh, probably sometimes you need to cut down on your shopping for some time because probably you're shopping too much. 
Um, so <laughs> that is where cost. I don't shop too much, guys. Just don't let him fool y'all. I'm not the shopper. Like quick poll, who do you think is the saver and the spender? Just put it in the in the comment box because today I have to win. And those who know me or those who don't, just guess who is the spender and who is the saver. All right, but go ahead. <laughs> Yes, but but um, it, it's a very important question you have you yeah. asked, and um, there are so many families into uh, who are in that situation. Um, when you start when you start seeing that right, your income is way lesser than your expenses. Um, that is when you there are two ways you start cutting expenses. Look at all necessary expenses and start cutting them. Um, the other way is that you have to make more. Hmm. You understand. So if you're only working ten hours a week, it means that you are not using your time profitably, right? You need to start a business or you need to find another job. You have to make more income to cover your expenses. Mm. So either you are cutting expenses or you are making more income to cover those expenses. I'm going to ask a question and it's just because you went there. And this is going to be a free gem and I'm going to make him answer it. So if you know somebody that's trying to start a business or has business questions, tell them to come on. But you just made a really good point about if you want to increase your income to start a business, like talk about the benefits of starting a business, right? As black people, we really want to start working towards like wealth and all those things. And I think sometimes people wake up and think that you just open a business and it's so easy. It's a good thing. And you make a good point about increasing income. So what are some of the benefits? Um, I don't know if you want to talk about like tax benefits and all those things. A little bit. <laughs> you say, yeah, I got to pay for that information. <laughs> but um, I mean, what, is, what are the benefits of opening a business or, or having a business when you're trying to increase your income? Um, okay, so it's, it's a whole topic on itself. It is, I'm sorry. I'll just scratch the surface and then we'll talk about it um, some other time. Okay. But opening a, opening a business is very good in this country because there are so many tax loopholes or tax benefits for um, for business owners, mm -hmm. right? So, for instance, if I buy a car, there is no way I can deduct the car payment. Um, the only thing I can deduct is the taxes when I'm filing my taxes, right? The property taxes I paid on the car. But let's say if my business buy a car, sorry, they can deduct the interest that they pay on the car every year when, when the business is filing taxes. Also, the car is depreciated and part of the car is expensed through the business. So, business is a good way for you to um, increase your income and also help you on tax planning uh, on the tax planning side. Um, mm. This is all I'll say for now. Um, <laughs> but um, that that answer I gave wasn't trying to just push everybody to start it because starting a business is not for everybody. It's a very good thing, but it takes a lot of, a lot of time and energy. Um, yeah. But all I'm saying is that make sure you don't have too much time on your hands. If you do that, your expenses is surely going to be more than your income. Mm. So if you have too much time on your hand. Is that you start a business or, you know, find another job to fill that so you can cover your expenses? Yeah, awesome. I just want to say hi really quick to everyone that's joining us today. We're talking about money and finances. Um, my name is Joyce Lins. My husband, Harry, he joins me today. He doesn't like being on camera, guys. I think that's one of the biggest battles I had to learn in our marriage. And this week has taught me a lot. I'm the camera person. He's not. So, like, I'm really appreciative of him being here. He's been, like... Helping with the kids so they're not running around when we're doing this. So, yeah. But we're talking about money and finances. And he comes from a finance background. So, we just wanted an opportunity for you guys. If you have any questions that you have um, in regards to finances that you want us to answer, please feel free just to put them in the question in the comment box and we'll answer them as we go along we do have some questions here that we're working off of but feel free to send your questions if you know anybody that could benefit from asking financial questions please send them our way free of charge he can't charge me because he's married to me so he's gonna do it for free okay so um 
One of the questions that somebody did send me earlier in our little box that we had was, how do you stay for children? Because um, I think children come with their own Expensive. price price tag. Okay? Uh, whereby, like, every... I think when we our kids grew so fast, like, I just bought clothes. How, why am I buying more clothes? Or if you're putting your kids in, in daycare, like for us, we've had to put them in daycare really early because we don't really have any family here, so it's just me and him. So we ended up putting them in daycare really early, and that was an expense. And... I get a heart attack when I think about how much we pay for daycare. Our daycare at one point was more than our um, rent put together. It was like, I'm like, wait, why is my daycare costing more than my rent? Like, this is ridiculous. But then again, we live in DMV, so whatever. But one of the questions that came was, how do you save for children? Um, should you have an account for each of them? And how much is enough when it comes to saving? I hope I asked that right. But yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so you, you said something important. Um, kids are very, very expensive. And if you have kids, um, if you don't take time, you have no savings, mm. right? Um, with the exception of even daycare, um, you're buying more food, you're buying clothes every time, um, you're cleaning your carpets all the time, you're cleaning your house all the time. So kids come with, um, with expenses. So if you don't take time, you, you won't save. Um, and there's this myth going around about people opening accounts for kids. Mm -hmm. um, it works for some people, right? I'll say if 100 people um, open accounts for kids, 80% um, go back and take the money out of it. Only 20% are able to keep that money for their kids, mm -hmm. right? Um, so for me, the best way to save for kids uh, will rather be an investment, right? Mm -hmm. If somebody, let's say you're having a baby shower, your kid's birthday party, and somebody gives you $100, um, you know, buy some stocks for the kids. Mm -hmm. um, it's difficult for you to sell the stocks. And like, it is easy to sell it, but that takes more time than just dipping into a bank account and taking the money, mm. right? So put it in an investment, investment vehicle, right? That is one, if there is free money lying down. Um, secondly, our kids are going to go to college, right? Every state has something called um, 529. Yeah, 529 um, kid savings account, right? You save for the kids um, so that they can use that to go to college. Um, that money is there, you can't touch it. That my, my main issue is that you touching the money because so many people save and then they go back and, and take that money back. So, you know, invest the money in a vehicle that it will be difficult for you to touch. And also the 529 college savings plan is very, very good. Um, when COVID came, they expanded. It, it used to only, you can only use it to pay for college, right? Mm. But when COVID came and they passed the CARES Act, they expanded it. Now you can use it to pay for private school, vocational school, um, they've expanded yeah. it. So it's a good thing for you to invest in it for your kid so that when your kid is going to college or even private school, you can take some of the money from there um, to pay for it. Um, finally, also try and invest in life insurance for your kids. Right? As if you because, I was about to ask, that was the next thing out of my mind. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so especially um, when kids are younger, right, mm -hmm. they can buy um, whole life insurance for cheap. Um, older people, whole life insurance is expensive. Yeah. It's good you get it. Some people try to, you know, go around it, but... Um, for kids, it's very cheap, um, um, whole life insurance. And there's something called cash value that built up. Um, I'm not here to talk about insurance, but <laughs> there's something called cash value that built up. So that cash value can build up. When you grow up, they can borrow from that life insurance and take you to college. Um, it, it's a whole lot of benefit. Mm -hmm. So I favor saving an investment vehicle for kids than just putting money in a savings account. Uh, because even if I put $500 in a savings account now, um, I'm only going to get like 0.01 cent, you know, every year. Um, when when he grows and he's 18, he's not going to see any benefit in that money. So rather put the money investment in investment vehicles. So basically investing versus just having the money, money sit into uh, bank accounts. And it says making the money work 
for, 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 yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I like what you talk about the life insurance thing. I know we're not here to talk about life insurance, but I know so many of us don't even consider it or think about how important it is. And I know a lot of people who have become rich or wealthy off of the fact that, you know, somebody left them a life insurance or something of that nature, or they can pull it up to go to college um, when they get older and have that as, you know, a backup. But yeah, definitely, definitely look into doing that as well. Um, The next question that I see on here is, so I know a lot of people who are dating or seriously engaged do not talk about how much debt they're about to walk into the marriage with. I know individuals who are like, oh, this is my debt, that's their debt, and we'll figure out when we get married. What is your thoughts on that? Like, should you share your debt? with your significant other before you get married or should you just keep it to yourself because you're going to figure it out on your own what are your thoughts on that um (laughs) (laughs) so no um it's it's a great question but um debt is a very um it's a trouble thing in this country right Mm. um and as i always say debt is a good thing um people just such an accountant how is debt a good thing that's how we differ i i i am scared of debts i don't want to owe i don't want to owe debt debt is a good thing people just misuse or mismanage debt that's why it's such a troubling thing um in this country tell me more i'm curious Um, about that no i don't understand how you like it but good sorry it's your so the the main um the main issue is that you have to disclose um your debt to your spouse um before you guys get married um as i said it's one of the financial infidelities um mm-hmm. if you don't tell the full debt you are not being transparent and not being transparent is infidelity mm-hmm. that's simple as that um also um in this country we have something called estate right so for instance if i die my estate transfers to my wife um when people think about estates they only think about the building mm-hmm. cars no, debt is also estate. So when I pass anything on to her, if it's not in a trust, um, she has to pay all my debts before she can access it, even if I owe on taxes. Excuse me, so, <laughs> I asked that so, question today because I was like, I have heard estate, I've heard him talk about it, but I want him to really like explain it. Like it's a big thing, right? So if it the, the key thing is that disclose your debt to your spouse mm. uh, because obviously they are going to be hooked to it and once you guys are married, right? Um, if you if we both bring two thousand two thousand to the table um, when we are working, and we are going to pay your loans, you know it's going to come out of the joint account. Mm. So if you don't tell me, and now all of a sudden I see three hundred and fifteen dollars going to us paying a certain debt, um, it's going to cause confusion in mm. the marriage. You know, so disclose it, plan to us how you're going to pay it. Sorry, hiding it will not solve it, right? But disclosing it is going to help you plan on how you're going to pay it off. Um, it's not about how big it is. It's about how you plan to pay it. Um, somebody might owe $20,000. Mm. Because they don't plan, it'll still be hanging around their neck. Um, somebody might be owing $100,000. They can plan, put strategies in place, and then they can pay it off real quick. You know, So mm. just disclose it. Talk to your spouse. Open up to your spouse. Say, this is what I took going to college. This is what I took to buy a car. This is how much debt I have. Let's sit down. Let's plan. This is how many years we have to pay. This mm. is a strategy going forward and going to pay it. That is it. Um, I don't. I don't think you should hide debts from your spouse. So what? Am, what if I'm afraid to tell them? Like, what? 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 How would you encourage me? Like, what are some things I could say? You know, like I have all this money that I owe, but I'm very afraid to tell this person because I don't want. To, I don't want them to think that I'm financially irresponsible, right? Yeah. Like full disclosure. When I was in college, I was wilding, wilding. 
I got, I think my first time out of the house, and I don't know, I'm about to age myself, but when I went to college, these credit card companies will come to the campus and they will open their tables and I signed up for every credit card you can think of because I was like, hey, why not? And I was away from home. But you know, when we got married, I think I had paid down most of it and we talked about it. But what, let's, let's say I was afraid to like really be like, so I have all these credit cards and... <laughs> I don't want you to think I'm financially irresponsible, right? Mm. So I guess, how do we have that conversation and how do we come up with a plan to pay it down? Yeah, so um, I would say that you shouldn't be afraid to disclose it, right? Um, let him chastise you now or, you know, be mad over it now and get over it rather than after you get married, he gets to know that you have all this debt. Mm -hmm. um, one, that will break trust, right? Mm. And we all know that in every relationship, when trust is broken, um, the marriage starts to spiral down. So it's a trust issue. It's not about how big the debt is. It's about trust issue. Mm. If you want the person to trust you, just open up. Tell the person, hey, you know, I went to college. I was, I was <laughs> doing all these things. You know, I have 120,000 debt. How are we going to pay it off? Um, that, as well. That, <laughs> that, that brings into... And, and that even starts a conversation about finance, mm. right? If you, if, if, yeah, if you go to your spouse and say, hey, you know, when I was in college... Um, you know, I was doing all these things. I was going to all these programs. Um, this is how my debt I am in. You know, how are we going to solve it? And that would bring... Uh, you, you'll be surprised what he or she is also going to say, mm -hmm. you know. And then you guys will think about how are we going to make more money to cover all these debts. And that will help you, you know, start on a good note when it comes to finances. But if you hide and you're scared and you try to pay it off without him knowing, that in itself, because... If you get married and I know you're being paid 30000 and I'm being paid 50000 let's say I'm taking care of all the bills in the house. Mm -hmm. But then you come to me and tell me you have no money. It becomes, where is your money going to? Yeah, because I understand? take care of all the expenses. You understand? And yeah. that becomes an issue. So are you being irresponsible with finances? Meanwhile, you're paying a loan that the other spouse doesn't, doesn't know, know about. about. So, yeah. so just open up, disclose it to the spouse and then move forward. Yeah. So you said something about um, salaries. Do you think spouses should disclose how much they make to each other? Um, or that's something you just... Because in the beginning, you're talking about how I put this. I'm asking. These are real questions that people have. Like, I, I, I knew a couple where they did percentages, right? And everybody's situation is okay, but they did percentages. Like, well, you make more money. So out of our bills, you bring this amount of money into this, and I'll bring this amount of it. But they never knew what the other person made like i mean i don't know i think sometimes with money gets dicey like how can you determine what it works and what doesn't for couples right? so i i don't think it's black and white right yeah. Mar marriage is custom and, really and is. um anything that will work for people but what i subscribe to is that um full disclosure right so, because if i tell my wife i'm paid five thousand dollars every two weeks um, in two weeks, if $5,000 is gone, she knows I have nothing on my on me, right? Mm -hmm. So she cannot keep bugging me, I need this, I need that, I need this, right? But if I don't tell her how much I make, and she asks me, I give her this, she asks me, I give her this, she always thinks there is more where the money is coming from, mm -hmm. right? And when I tell her there is no money, it can cause confusion. So for me, it's better that both spouses, you know, disclose. So at least we know all the resources that come into the, into the family mm -hmm. and how to distribute it. Um, but some people, it might work for them if they don't disclose it. But what I subscribe to is that, you know, you disclose um, everything you make to your spouse um, so that you guys can move from there. Okay. So basically, just that, that goes back to that transparency in marriage, but also okay. understanding that marriage is custom-made. Like, yeah. what's going to work for you guys is going to work. But I'm going to be the controversial person here, right? And 
I know, like, just a little backstory. When we met, like, we knew immediately we were going to get married. So we kind of had a right, we were planning towards a marriage. Um, we opened up a, a joint bank account, like, right away. So um, a portion of our paychecks were coming in to save for the wedding expenses and all that. I heard people say that um, we don't have a joint account. We have separate accounts. We don't even have like a, a, a family account. It's just I have my account, they have their account, and we have agreed bills that we pay on, but we're not our money's does our money does not mix, right? I am of the belief that if you can share your body with somebody, right? You can't sh- why won't you share your money with the person? I Right? That's, that's controversial because I, I and I get everybody's different in how they handle their money, but like no, not even everybody's different. I I get where you're coming mm-hmm. from, but um, you don't know people's past also, right? That's true. People might have been, you know, done severely wrong with you know sharing their money and stuff. That's why I said it's a gradual process for you to get there. And as you, the person who wants um, to have everything joint, you have to be more open and be trustworthy. Once you do that, the other mm. person will catch up. It's not, um, you don't force somebody to be open about their money, mm-hmm. right? It's about you being open and transparent about everything and gradually getting them to that point. Mm-hmm. And this is also a conversation you have during, um, when you're doing your marriage counseling, right? Mm. Finance is a big thing. Like, apart from intimacy, I think the next thing is finances. It is. Right? So, if you guys don't talk about it in depth, um, when you guys are, <clears throat> sorry, going for your marriage counseling, um, it's going to be a big issue in the marriage. So, you guys can bring it up during the um, marriage counseling bit. And even during the marriage counseling, you guys can have a plan. Okay, this person doesn't really trust people with money. I trust people with money. Mm. Uh, gradually, you know, next three months, we'll open an account. You know, you can do it gradually. But you cannot force somebody to open a joint account. You know, whatever works for their marriage, they can start with it and gradually okay. get to a point. Um, yeah, but for me, me, for instance, I think a joint account is like... Everybody's seeing what is in their account. If it's gone, it's gone. <laughs> what do you mean if it's gone, it's gone? If it's finished, it's finished. There's no money in there. <laughs> but yeah, I think you bring a good point. I just want to um, share this real quick. So um, for those of you who don't know, I am Prepare and Enrich certified. And I know I love using this example of Prepare and Enrich whereby part of the assessment really looks at how money is handled and how money is looked at. And I think there's a great example that I love to use about how sometimes when two people get married their ideologies or belief about money is being merged together in yeah, some right. way or either creating a new ideology of money. So I heard a really wonderful story about how there's this one guy, he grew up in a really well-off home, right? It was like money was never an issue. We spent what we wanted, no questions asked. I It was money. And then the girl, she grew up in a home where... Um, she grew up in a home where like there wasn't like a lot of money. So it meant that they always had to save. They always had to make sure that, you know, they asked and all that. And then these two people get married. Now these two people get married and one person came from a home where money ain't an issue. We spend what we want when we want. And then you have this other one who's like, no, 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 we, we penny pinch, we save. And these two individuals get married and here we are. The guy who is the spender now is like hiding his purchases because he's like, I don't want my wife to get upset or think I'm irresponsible, right? Because I'm spending all this money, but I've never been in a situation where I could not spend money. And then the girl is like, well, I don't understand why my husband is being so irresponsible without money when he knows like we need to save, right? Mm So part of preparing and rich really allows you to kind of expose those things and start having conversations around that. But yeah, I think the money conversation is something you definitely want to have like before Before. you get married. Like 
And what you said goes back to um, the personality issue yeah. that I talked about first, right? So before you get married, if you know the two personalities, that one is a spender, one is a saver, or one is, both of us are savers, if you know the personality, that is what it's Can going to be. Can you just admit you're not a saver? You are not a saver. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you know what, um, what each personality is, okay. it's going to help you going forward. But if you don't talk about it at all, don't know the personality, then that's when people start to hide, right? Mm. The one who is a saver don't want this one to see that I'm saving. So they went to they go to open a different an account in like South Dakota. Nobody knows about it, and they are saving their money in. The one who is a spender oh, always buying different <laughs> buying different gadgets, hiding it in their car, hiding it under their office table. You know, so <coughs> talk about it, be open about it, and then you know just move on and transition from it. Yeah, but um. Hi everyone, welcome to the new people who joined us. We're talking about money um, as part of our marriage week, but this is a great pivot. I just wanna talk really quick about, so this year as part of our marriage week, we are having a fundraiser and the fundraiser is to raise $1,000 to gift either one couple premarital sessions or a couple that is just in a really hard patch or a hard season in their life, the opportunity to work with a therapist. And funny enough that we're talking about money, money is one of the main, many reasons why married couples go to therapy because just that conversation piece has never really been fully um, discussed in a healthy way. And also additionally, money is also one of the reasons why couples who do need to go do not go because they can't afford it. So our goal is to raise $1,000 to really support couples in that way. So far together, we have been able to raise $850. So we are only $150 away from our goal of $1,000. So if you are interested in giving, if you're able to give, please check out the link in our bio. Check out our website, www.beyondtheisle.org backslash donate or you can even use cash app which is going to be money sign beyond the aisle all right if you can't give that is okay if you can just share the link excuse me share the link spread the word that would be really great additionally you can also buy um, merchandise from our product line which is declaration by beyond the aisle so this shirt that i have on the stay naked and the hoodie he has on is all part of that collection so those are different ways you can support us to support couples to really get a chance at working with either a premarital um, counselor or going to therapy. So our goal again is $1,000. We are $150 away from that goal. So again, thank you so much if you have donated as well. Um, so I think, okay, oh, sorry. So yeah, I think the last questions that I have have to do more with like the practicality, right? Like what are some steps? Let's say for example, We've talked about how you want to talk about money. You want to be transparent. You want to share what you owe and then kind of come up with a plan to, you know, tackle it. So let's say we've talked about it. I owe $100,000 in school loans. I owe $20,000 in credit card bills. Um, how do we begin to pay that down? What are some practical tips that you would give us to be able to start paying that down? Okay. I, I think the main thing is planning, right? Sorry. The main thing is planning. Um, and the biggest planning tool um, in finance is budgeting, right? So what you do is that you sit down, you write all your income, you write all your debt, right? So if you budget all your income, your expenses, you know what is left, right? And we see that, okay, we, we have 10000 at the end of the month. Um, all our expenses is $5,000. So we have 5000 remaining. Now you come to your debt, right? Which one is being paid first? Uh, which one is being paid second? If you're paying $100 on this debt and it's not moving and you think you can 
throw in an extra, you make it $200. So until you put that down and you write them down in a budget, you will just be thinking about it and never getting it paid. Mm -hmm. So the practical way, sit down, draw a plan, a roadmap, give yourself a timeline, right? So say that we are paying this down in five years. Um, this is $10,000, 9%. This is how much you can pay every month for the five years for mm -hmm. you to get it paid. Um, so those are practical, you know, financial steps that you can take. Um, some people are not fiscally responsible, financially responsible to do that. Um, so you can seek help from a financial I swear, advisor. I was thinking the same. Sorry, I was literally about to. Ask, that was my next. You can't do that. That was my next question. But go ahead, answer it. You can you can seek seek help from a financial advisor, right? Um, he will sit you guys down. He will look at all your expenses. He will look at your bills, both um, um both spouses. Mm -hmm. Um, draw a budget for you guys. Every month, meet with you guys and make sure that you are following the budget. You know, if you are not following, why are we not following? Um, it is not a bad thing not to follow a budget, right? But know the reason why you couldn't follow it and mm. then cure it in the next month. You know, so the, the financial advisor will help you from month to month, showing you um, the reason why you are falling behind, um, what you have to do to get back on track. Um, so that is the main thing that you have to do. As I said, plan. If you are very disciplined enough and the two of you can do it, do it by yourself. If not, seek help from a financial advisor mm. and he can help you guys. So I, I have a very controversial question. Mm -hmm. We already can't manage money. Mm -hmm. So what are the benefits? I know I know the answer because I know the benefit. It's like you're arguing and, and you need therapy, right? And it's like you got to pay $150 for a therapist. But, but I mean, what are some of the benefits of seeing a financial advisor? Because I can do my own budget myself. Mm -hmm. If we can talk about... Oh, you know, we'll try to figure out like what, <laughs> what are some of the benefits <laughs> that you would say of, and I'm not going to say the word, I'm going to let you say it, but really doing that. <laughs> um, I laughed because when you said it, what came into my mind was a meme I saw about doing your taxes and being in jail, right? <laughs> <laughs> so many people can do their taxes, but they might end up in jail. Um, Why is yeah, that? Yeah, you, you, can, you, can you can do your budget, but you're not disciplined enough to see uh, what is going wrong. Mm. Um, a financial advisor is trained and has the experience in that way, right? So probably you are looking at it from just one point of view. Mm. Um, he's looking at it from all angles. The taxes you're paying, the insurance you're paying. Like, so he has a broader view of what you're doing. Mm. Um, you probably might have just a single view and will not know why your budget is still um, where it is. Mm -hmm. um, so that is why you need the help of a financial advisor. And paying $150 a month can help you save around $500 a month. Mm. Um, that is one thing that you, ha you have to quantify the benefits you're getting. Mm. Right? So if the person is, tells that you that, um, okay, you, you are paying me $150 a month, right? Mm -hmm. Every month, look at how much am I saving for paying that $150. Mm. So once you quantify it, it will make sense to you that, okay, this is how much I'm paying and this is how much I'm saving. So we want to quantify what we're getting out of it. And you're right. I think most times, like, I've seen a lot of people, like, try to do their own taxes or try to figure out their own financial stuff. And it's great, right? Especially if you have the skills to be able to do it. But I think sometimes just kind of giving it to that professional to be another, another lens for you to kind of look at and support in that way. But tax season is coming. Um, and we know that there's a lot of opportunities in regards to Mr. Taxman here. So what's a piece of advice you would give to married people in regards to, I think it was a term you use, tax planning um, in their marriage. How important is tax planning? I think I used the correct terminology. Um, tax planning, planning, estate planning, and then we'll wrap it up. We have about 10 minutes so that we can be done. Yeah. Time went by, I know. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to talk about taxes, but... Um... <laughs> 
I'm giving Tax. out free advice because if you come to me with paid, it's free. Um, taxes is a big deal in this country, mm -hmm. and um, every couple, and that's why you need to disclose how much you make to your um, to your spouse, right? Because you guys are going to file together, mm -hmm. um, and the more you make, the higher your tax bracket, mm -hmm. right? So, what are some of the things that we can do to lower our tax bracket? Um, you can maximize your 401k because once you maximize, you pay the 19500 um, it's tax-free, you understand? So if I'm making 100000 and I'm maximizing my 401k, I'm only paying um, taxes on about, you know, let's say 80500 right? Uh -huh. So those are some of the things. Also, um, some life insurance, um, some life insurance are um, deferred income, so you can defer income in that way. Uh -huh. So just make sure that you know how much... Um, both spouses are making the tax bracket is going to put you in mm -hmm. and how do you bring it down mm -hmm. so if you're making 100 100 this is 200 thousand mm. how do we bring it down to 150 to lower our tax bracket um those are the type of um, conversations you have um also if you're going to make a purchase like a house right how can this house save us are we buying down points which is interest that we can use to file our taxes or are we making a huge down payment mm. so um those conversations are what you have to have around taxes um, some people try to file separately, which I don't advise that um, couples do that. Um, but some people have their main reasons. Um, if you're filing separate, make sure that both of you do it and see. Because sometimes the female or the mother with the kids will file it. They'll make money. Um, the father will file and then he'll be owing and he'll be angry. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the dad will file with the kids and then he'll make money and the mom will file it and then you know she'll, she'll be owing money. So make sure both of you, if you're filing separate, um, you do it separately and see, you know, if somebody's owing, if you are not happy, come back together and know what you have to do, mm. you know. So uh, taxes are something that you guys have to talk about it before. You don't just dump your stuff on somebody and say, hey, do my taxes for me. Mm. How are you saving on taxes? Uh, and tax planning start from January to December. So your 2021 tax planning should start now. Mm. You shouldn't wait till next year 2022 when you're going to file your taxes and you're looking at ways that you can lower your taxes no mm. you start lowering your taxes from january through to december um so start having that conversation you know you got a promotion you know you got a new job um your your income is going to go up so how am i or how would i be able to lower the taxes on the new um on my new income so i'm gonna ask a question <laughs> okay just give us one tip <laughs> trying to get y'all a free tax tip here one tip. You're not gonna share one tip. Just one. Okay, half a tip about how um, you said you use the term. Said tax planning starts from January one to December. So what's one thing to consider or you should think about when you're doing tax planning? And yeah, then that's I, it. I said it. Um, Which one? For instance, a four one k. Okay, you did Yeah, say people those. just max how much um they are being given at work. Mm. Right, they match. So if they say we we'll match three percent, they just do three percent. Okay. And by three percent, it's not the max. You can do up to nineteen thousand five hundred. So when you max it, it's a good um tax strategy for you. Mm. That's it. That's the only one you're getting. Don't do that. Okay. Anyway, so it's. I don't know if anybody has any questions. Let me check if any questions have come. No, that's the one that came that I answered earlier. You want one more question? Cause it's, and then we'll be done. Okay. So this is your last question okay uh, let me find a good one um okay so let's say we're ready to buy a house right um do you advise that we buy a house together in our name or should one spouse buy the house and the other 
not be listed on the I know a lot of people do this, right? We're going to buy a home and we'll have one spouse on it. The other won't be on it for whatever reason. We think it's the best way to go. But like, what are your thoughts on doing that? And, and just in regards to you talking about how you talked about filing taxes together, filing them separately, like what does that look like in regards to that piece of it? Yeah, so um, I'll start with a car, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're buying a car and you're married, let one spouse buy in their name, right? Um, the reason is that if we buy a car and it's 40000 and we buy it together, um, it shows up on 40000 on her credit, 40000 on my credit. Mm-hmm. You understand? So the car technically showing 80000 right? So 40000 Meanwhile, we just bought a car for 40000 mm-hmm. So when we are going to do anything, they pull our credit. She has 40000 debt. I have 40000 debt, mm-hmm. which is not good. Um, so that is for the car. The car is simple, plain as vanilla. <laughs> when it comes to houses, right? Um, it's in two ways. Um, it is very difficult because um, one is an emotional decision and mm. two is a logical decision. It right? really is. Um, the emotional decision is that you're buying a house and you're saying you don't want your wife's name to be on it. right? So she has to accept or you're buying a house and you say you don't want your husband's name to be on it. Meanwhile, you, you guys just got married. It's two years. You're buying a house. You're all happy. And right now, one person is saying, oh, I don't want your name to be on it. Mm-hmm. The other person can be shattered. And that's the emotional part of it, mm-hmm. right? Um, but financially or logically, it's good that you buy it in one person's name. Mm-hmm. Um, the main reason is that if I have good credit, if I'm doing a good job and I can qualify for a house, if I buy a house in my name, two years down the line, um, if she's doing well, um, she, she she has good credit, we can buy a different house in her name mm-hmm. and use it as a rental property. Mm-hmm. Right? So... Um, that is the financial and logical thing. But as I said, when it comes to the emotional side, um, most people don't like that. They believe that if you buy a house, it's for me and my husband, so both of our names should be on it. And none of them is wrong. It depends on the individual and what they want to do. I, like, honestly, I know we've talked about like you know rental properties and what happens if like we want to buy a house if it's both of us, right? He says we have four minutes. I'm trying to get answers for y'all. But um, that's a raise a good point. And I think what... I don't know. I think what I'm getting from this conversation, which I think is something that we both know. Oh, somebody sent a question. Okay. Um, allowance. Oh, where did it go? Sorry. Allowance in marriage for personal spending or using money as the couple pleases from joint account. So I'm guessing the question is, um, what are thoughts around allowance accounts? Yeah, and I understand. Okay, you understand yeah. the question? Okay. I think what she's trying to say is that... Um, do we allocate money? Say that, okay, I'm giving you $100 allowance. I'm giving myself $100 allowance. Well, I don't work now, then, so he's my sugar daddy. He's, <laughs> he pays me. And then, <laughs> like, allocating allowances mm-hmm. and saying that, okay, you have 100 for the month, I have 100 for the month. Oh, yeah, we were done. Um, yeah. Or, you know, we should just, anybody can just dip into the joint account and use it. Um, I think the allowance system is good uh, because once you are budgeting, you need a number to budget, right? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I always want cash in my pocket, yes. right? So my wife will say that I know you have, <laughs> you you want cash in your pocket, so you keep two hundred in your pocket, right? Mm-hmm. So that at least help us put a number to it that every month I'm keeping this this amount of cash on myself. I don't just go to the ATM anytime and just withdraw money, mm-hmm. right? There's an amount that I always have in my pocket, um, and that keeps you under a certain spending limit. Uh, because if, if you open the floodgates for people and tell people you can just go into the account, <clears throat> especially the females. Don't do that. I'm, guys, I'm still no. waiting for the vote. Who yeah. is the spender? Who is the saver? 
If yeah, you, I'm going to say me as, as a saver. If, you, if you open the floodgates, uh, people are going to spend everything in their account. So um, allocating how much each person will spend. And it doesn't mean one person is dominant, right? Mm -hmm. um, we shouldn't look at it as, oh, my husband is limiting me or my wife is limiting me, right? We should look at being financially responsible for our future goals, mm -hmm. right? So if we allocate funds that, hey, just use 200, just use 300, you know, for um, the month, um, I think that should, that should work. Um, people shouldn't just be dipping in their account and using it anyhow. Yeah. yeah. I, I, like, honestly, just in the whole conversation, I think it boils down to just really trying to understand each other, right? And having one mind and one purpose as one goal. I remember at our wedding, the sermon that was preached was around purpose. purpose. And, you know, what, what purpose do you want? And I know uh, the minister who preached talked about how, you know, us, we're first-generation Ghanaians, how, you know, us first-generation Ghanaians, we have every type of cloth in our closet, right? And then it's like, are you buying a whole mansion of cloth? Or even the men, right? Ghanaian men love Mercedes Benz. That's what I, I feel like Mercedes is the car to show they made it. I think that's why I'm just turned off Mercedes. I feel like they all drive on. But it's like, what is your purpose? What is, what is your long-term goal? What is it that you want to do? You know I mean? That, that may require you in some seasons to cut back and some seasons to spend more. And really being open and honest with each other about you know the the source of the uh, your your financial stance in the relationship and just really look into that way. And I think a terminology that I heard is that as believers we are just stewards of what God yeah, has yeah, given yeah. us, right? And it's our responsibility and duty to say, God, you've given us this. We're going to be responsible with it, and we're not going to let it cause confusion amongst us because we know it's not ours; it's God's. So then, how do we manage this, and how do we you know honor it and do things with it that are pleasing um, in yeah, His sight? So, but yeah. 7.59, I was given till 8 o'clock to have this conversation, guys. So I hope you have learned a lot. Um, Again, my name is Joyce Lynn. This is Harry. Um, And it's been an honor just speaking with you guys tonight. So join us tomorrow. Our conversation is going to be on sex. So it's going to be sex Saturday. See how juicy? That's, 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 that's the uncomfortableness that people like get. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the goal tomorrow is to talk about sex in marriage. Um, so join us tomorrow for a great conversation around that. Have a great night. If you have any questions after this, please feel free to reach out to us. Um, and we will definitely answer as best as we can. All right, guys, we're praying for you always. Have a blessed night and see you guys tomorrow.